Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, back here in Ohio, and, and I, I got to tell you, I'm excited about this. Um, sometimes on political stories anymore, all you hear is, you know, people yelling about the last election or people yelling about COVID. But this is actually a story about something that is almost like a news you can use, something that's important, it's effective, and it's not the same BS yelling and argument. Um, th- there's a debate right now. And the uh, House Republicans are bring up. I'm not sure why it's a Republican versus Democrat issue. I can guess, but they're saying, "Hey, when school districts go up for a levy, the way it's presented is really confusing. How can we get better information out?" And I gotta say, and, and maybe I'm a simpleton, <laughs> but sometimes even reporting on this stuff, I don't always get it. Uh, probably the best description I've seen in reporting is you say. It's going to cost the owner of a $100,000 home this much. And maybe that is the best way of doing it. But I know it's kind of difficult to understand. Uh, I remember when I was covering school board district levies, I would always get yelled at by the school board. I'd be yelled at by customers, by our readers. I'd be yelled at by editor. Can you make this simple? I'd say, I can't. This is how it's presented. So Republicans are trying to make it a little bit easier. Um, Brandon? What do you think about this? I, like I said, I, I like the idea in theory. I, I'm wondering what they want to do to help make it easier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I'm all for making um, it more transparent and um, um, uh, and helping people get at least a, a, an idea um, of what they're voting for in terms of their le- for, in terms of levies. But I think it is. I think. Um, I do appreciate some of the concerns that people have, like they don't want people to think, get be under a misimpression when you're trying to be simple, simplify the um, tax calculations or tax uh, issues too. So, um, and that's why some school, a lot of school board members and some uh, metropolitan libraries are kind of against, uh, against this measure. Um, I think it speaks to a bigger issue revolving around tax levy issues, but I'm happy to hear uh, from Craig what he what if he what his thoughts are? Yeah, crazy. Well, it's funny because you know I read the story and I'm like, well, in up in our area, we already do the, you know, when we do stories, we're at, you know, when we talk to auditors or whoever we talk to, it's always a, it's always a, based off against a hundred thousand dollar, yeah, property valuation. So this is kind of new to me that maybe some other counties don't do it that way. Um, I think it probably does get a little complicated when you're trying to assess 35 cents per $100 assessed. So, 
you know, this we just do the hundred thousand um, dollar appraised value, and and people, obviously, not everybody's home is worth a hundred thousand or is appraised at a hundred thousand, but you know, they can at least get a ballpark idea. Then, well, if my house is less than that, then I'm going to be paying less than what that person's paying. So, um, this is kind of new to me as far as you know the the language that they'd prefer the $100,000 valuation, because that's how we do it up in this area. When we do stories, it's always well on the level like that. Is, is it like that in the ballot, on the ballot, <clears throat> on the actual ballot, though? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I know how le- how the how levies work, and I think most people kind of do as far as what the millage is and what that means. But yeah, every time they always, you know, specify $100,000, you know, valuation or you know, whatever it may be. So we try to do that to explain to people if they don't know. And then, um, you know, generally on the ballot, that's how it shows up as well. Um, Sometimes the ballot doesn't always expressly say how much it will cost. But um, for the most part, I think most people are, if they want to be informed about how much they're going to be paying, then generally speaking, they can find out whether it's through us in a story when we preview all these levies or, you know, they can even, um, you know, research it on, you know, at their auditor's office and ask them how much they might have to pay. So there are different, you know, different ways of doing it. Obviously, you know, levies can sometimes be confusing for people. But, you know, I think for the most part, there's different avenues for people to take to to be able to kind of see how much they're going to have to pay. Well, here's where I get confused at. Whoever <laughs> knows, jump in and help me out here. Um, I bought a house in Canton, geez, probably 20 years ago now. I bought it when the neighborhood I lived in up in Canton was actually half decent. Um, now the neighborhood kind of sucks, and the, the value went down. I literally paid probably 95 for it. I bet you if I sold it today, I probably could get 55 60 for it. So is my taxes based on the fact that I paid 95 for it? Uh, 20 years ago, or, or would my taxes be based on what's worth, you know, here in 2021? I, th- I think there's like the auditor's office does different appraisals right. uh, every so often. I think they go off the appraisal. Is that sound right, Craig? That's yeah. To my understanding, and I don't, I don't remember how often they do appraisals, but um, it would be based like you know, it, it may not happen the first year or maybe even the second year, but whenever they do a new appraisal, and I think you can even request an appraisal too, um, yeah. to, to, to kind of determine you know what your home's value is. That way, you're not paying more taxes than you really need to. So I'm pretty sure that you can request a, a, an appraisal if okay. they don't, if they don't do one on a year to year basis. Uh, I think every county's different. You know, bigger counties probably maybe don't do appraisals every year. Maybe they do because they have more staff than smaller ones, but I don't believe in, in more rural communities, they have appraisals every year. I think they, they maybe do them every couple of years or whatever it may be, but you could probably request an appraisal too, just to make sure you're not, because that's a big, that's a big difference. You know, you're talking 95 to maybe $55,000. That's a huge, a huge difference. And you know, what you'd be paying for a levy is, drastically different so you know i would imagine you might get some fighting though you know from a a school district or somebody not wanting to have appraisals done because if appraisals go down then that means the tax collection goes down on their levy so they probably would would try to not want to have too many appraisals going on because of that 
Well, it helps me out because I'm in a district that's struggling. Look at the other way. Say I lived in a, you know, down here would be probably what Dublin or an area like that where the house values continue to rise. You know, it kind of stinks because your house could be worth, I don't know, two hundred thousand, and maybe now it's worth four hundred thousand. So your taxes would go up, right? right? So it's kind of based on where you live and are the houses going up or down. So very interesting. Yeah. And I think that's where it gets confusing. But then on the other hand, you know, it could affect how much tax you're paying too. So I, I'll be interested to see how what happens with this bill. Um, I it's the more I think about, it, I can see some arguments for it. And I can see some arguments against it. Uh, the assess can be kind of tough, but for me, it can't. I'd rather do the assess because my house is probably worth, you know, sixty percent of what it was worth before. So I guess. I would make the argument it would bear assess for me. So I don't know. Yeah. And when schools and other places have appraisals, you know, I, I think we went through it a couple of years ago, maybe in Sadusky County where, um, you know, we were getting ready for new tax levies and things like that. And I think the school had, you know, you pay for these levy, you pay for these tax assessments as a school district or whatever it may be. So you're basically, you know, you're investing money into hoping you get more money out of it. So I did look up, I did look up here real quick that if it's not done annually, sometimes it's done every three to five years for an assessment. So that's, you know, you know, it might be, it might vary depending on each county in Ohio, but that seems to be maybe a general rule of thumb. Yeah. I, I just think either way, I mean, however it be assessed or anything else, they just need to make it easier for people to understand because I'm even as a journalist, sometimes I'll go and vote on these things and, you know, my wife will be like, how, how should we vote and everything? I'm like, I really don't know because it's hard to, I mean, you read the fine print and you feel like you're reading, you know, uh, a really complicated document to ballot. And it, it, it's hard. And, yeah, you know, some of these issues, especially with lower media numbers right now, not all the issues get covered probably like they should. I mean, we don't have time to cover each individual race or each individual ballot issue. So, I don't know. Brandon, do you have a pick on how you think this is going to end up? Uh, well, you know, it, we'll have to see how it depends. I think the factors are will be how um, – uh, an Ohio Republican-controlled legislature will listen to the schools and the libraries and any other entity that does tax levies, um, how they will feel about the bill. I mean, the issue here is like, you know, um, is like, yeah, you can be a little more straight. Can the language be cleared up? Yeah. But if it's if people are going to get the wrong impression and it's going to kind of like a sticker price shock is kind of the concern to dissuade people from voting for something that, uh, based on the merits, this is the thing I hate about levies. Is like, this is like a, this is like, if you ever need to like argue against pure democracy, this is this is the case study because you're saying, right. hey everyone, here's this, here's a, here's a bill to uh, uh, tax you to raise revenue for this uh, schools or a library or whatnot, a library system or whatnot, and people are like, I don't want to pay taxes. This is stupid, and then they just vote no out of principle and then it's like um um and if um and then at the same time but that doesn't mean the needs that the money could have gone towards are going to go away i mean this kind of happened when i was a reporter up in delaware ohio where they the city was pushing for an income tax increase 
And it was 2016, so perhaps there was just this huge distrust distrust of government. But for whatever reason, people did not like they didn't like city council's plan for for um, for tackling uh, con, uh, traffic congestion and um, poor infrastructure. And they didn't like they would they were being asked to pay more in income tax. This was an income tax levy, so that was a little bit weirder than the property tax. But and that was very clear cut. But the thing is. Those issues that um, that they presented to voters, like they're not going to go away. That city is growing, and they're going to feel even more pain when they're commuting from their downtown jobs. But maybe uh, that's not. It's a minor point since we're no one's commuting. But still, um, if we ever do get back to uh, needing those roads again, I mean, and the city is going to be growing, you have to have those kind of checks and balances to keep the um, you know people people from voting against their own interest without realizing it. My first job out of college, and this wasn't a high profile job, it was a telemarketing job. Um, I would call people and Newt Gingrich was the, it was a conservative group. Newt Gingrich was the speaker of the house at the time. And they were arguing for a flat tax or a, you know, a, a more restrictive tax than the taxes we have now. In theory, it sounds great. But I was wondering what that flat tax would be. And they were even talking about not just on your income. What if you did a flat sales tax? And they call it kind of consumption tax, where all the taxes are taken care of on your consumption. So if you look at it, if you're 80 and you're not buying as much crap as you're buying with a family of kids, you don't get taxed that much. And, you know, if you own your house and you have it paid off, it's paid off. You don't have to worry about it. But then the flip side What's the sales tax in Ohio now? Like what, seven percent maybe? I mean, your sales tax might be what thirty or forty percent now, because everything will be funded through the sales tax. And I'm not sure about that. I mean, it would be interesting, but that'd be kind of crazy. But I don't know if that would ever work. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> the taxing tax tax the way we tax in America, it's very convoluted. It's very it's not easy to figure out how to. What's the best way to streamline streamline it all? Especially when you have different people. Like if you let's say you bake a pie, and then meanwhile you have to, you know, the city comes by and gets a slice, the county comes by and gets a slice, the federal government comes by and gets a slice. Then on top of that, the federal government comes back and says, "Oh wait, Medicare and Social Security need a slice." Oh, and then yeah. state government comes by and says, "Hey, we need a slice." So it, it does get. Um, it's very, it's very frustrating. You just wish there was like probably at least one entity that come up comes up to you because, of course, lo and behold, they give you the knife and say, "Cut it for me." <laughs> like, yeah, I just want to enjoy my pie, Chris. Can I, <laughs> but, can I please enjoy my pie? I'm tired of cutting it for people. I think it would be a fascinating idea because if you really look at it, you know, and, and I think the hard thing about like a a flat consumption tax would be, so what happens if I live in Columbus, I go to Cleveland to visit some family, and I buy something in Cleveland, whatever it might be, how would you track where that tax goes? So, like, if the if it, if I buy something in the city of Cleveland, does it go to the city of Cleveland because I'm in Cleveland, or does it go to Columbus because I live in Columbus? That would probably be a nightmare figuring out how to divvy up all the money, right? I think it would just simply go to Cleveland if you bought it in Cleveland, um, and plus you're 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 using Cleveland roads to buy product in Cleveland, so right, right, that would be the argument. 
There is sort of a different kind of a variation of the sales tax uh, called the value added tax, which is also an Andrew Yang, uh, uh, not <laughs> an Andrew guy. Yang invention, <laughs> but a, one yeah. was he also championed in conjunction with the with the UBI. In fact, that was his way of saying this is how we're going to pay for the UBI is a value added tax, and that's kind of similar to sales tax or, or consumption tax. Not real. I mean, it's a little more convoluted, but um, yeah. We could go on and we could have like a three hour podcast about tax. There we go. Let's do it. Now. <laughs> our, our listeners are like clicking off right well, now. Well, for recommended reading, uh, you could t- check out TR Reads, A Fine Mess um, book. It, w- it came out probably just before the 2017 tax bill that Congress passed back then. And uh, it's still, I think, a little relevant in terms of how we approach tax in this country. And it talks about flat taxes and are they great or um whatnot so um um and how other countries do taxes i mean believe it or not chris uh there are several countries that it only takes them probably 15 to 30 minutes to do a tax return 15 to 30 minutes you know one page and i mean i think 30 some people get upset because they have to in some countries take 30 minutes to do a tax return they're like oh that's so annoying i mean (laughs) the average american over here they t- it spends an average 16 hours on their tax returns. So, um, hmm. uh, yeah, that, that would be the advantage of a tax like that. Because just think you wouldn't have to worry about income tax. You wouldn't have to worry about this home tax. Like this article we were just talking about would go out the window. <laughs> because, but that, I guess the problem would be is say you live in a really small town. It doesn't have any businesses. You almost have to track businesses just to get the tax to pay for your stuff. But I, I don't know. It, maybe I'm more of an Andrew Yang guy than I thought. I don't know. This is interesting. Yeah, that's the, that is the crux uh, is like one tax model might not work for another community. Um, I just think it's – I just think another example of what, what's so frustrating about levies to me is like the Columbus Metropolitan Library, I was working there um, during their tax levy campaign. They never really went, really had a tax levy, actually, I think, before. They usually got most of their money from the state government. Um, and 2008 rolled, hit, like, and 2009 with Great Recession, and the state governments had to slash library funding a lot to where the Columbus Library had to roll back hours and and um, and other services and even quality of uh, products. Um, what I thought was really interesting is like they did that, but they also kind of changed their approach to customer service. Um, it used to be like, you know, for instance, for like little things, like, um, if you, the customer, Chris came, had, if you know, came to the, a state library funded operation and you said, Hey, I want to look, I want you to look up for me to like a library person or whatnot. Say, I want you to look up 10 books for me and locate them for me. They would tell you we have a five book limit. Um, that got scrapped and because they went for more of a customer, um, uh, service approach. And so with the tax, so now you, you're there, there, you got the librarians try to help you out with a, um, uh, as much as possible. If you want to look up 30 books, so be it, um, that kind of thing. But, um, um, and I think that kind of helped them out to convince voters to, you know, vote for their, for their own levy. But what was interesting is, is, um, the conversations that I've heard about back then was, well, you, what if you have people um, getting in line or there's like a long line of people waiting for, to be uh, serviced by a librarian and here you are spending so much time with one customer. 
So it was kind of people, there's conversations like we kind of missed that, that book limit. <laughs> um, yeah. I just think, but I think that's the switch in the mentality is, well, that's because the tax dollars are coming to really are being decided by the people in that area in that community versus when you had a, the middleman, which was the state government providing the funding, they could have a little more leniency on how they can, um, you know, on their decisions. And so I think that's another thing to keep in mind about, about terms of, you know, again, it's all about, we're serving who we're serving in terms of our interests, you know, in terms of, um, when you're, when, when you're bought, when you're serving your own boss, it's kind of, it's kind of like, are you doing it in your boss's interest or are you doing it, uh, and for everyone's interest kind of, uh, struggles and tensions. I know I don't explain it as well as I could, but that's, oh. that's always something interesting. <laughs> No, it, it's fascinating stuff, and Craig, we just got we got to change the way we do everything. Could you imagine <laughs> if they charge? How about this? What if they charge a buck for renting a book at the library? You might be like, "Man, that sounds awful." Well, you're reading for free. You're not buying the book if you get at the library. It, it, it's a lot cheaper than spending twenty bucks for it at the store. And man, could libraries make money off that? And, and what I'm saying is maybe money that could replace the tax dollars. You know, I I don't know. I mean. I'm all for changing the way we do stuff. You know, it sounds crazy and weird, but it's not undemocratic, you know? Yeah. But I think with libraries now, especially, you know, during COVID, you know, they've benefited more from their streaming services that they provide, they have partnerships with. So I wonder if, you know, cause people are not really renting books as much anymore, or maybe they're going audio books or whatever, but you know, a lot of, a lot of libraries are, you know, doing their business. And I use that term loosely, you know, with, with the streaming sites they, they partner up with. So you want, you know, if you're doing the, well, $1 for a book to rent, do you have to do that when you rent a movie or a video game at the library? Because they do offer those, you know, options as well. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very interesting. So I, I like this good stuff. Um, yeah. Let's know what you think about this um, issue. Um, can we make the uh, tax levies a little bit easier to understand what's the best way of doing it? And what's the drawback? I mean, with everything, there is a drawback if you do something. Um, would this work? And how can we get more money? I mean, the user ad tax, value ad tax. I, I mean, it stinks. Like right now, we're in tax season. We got to spend a lot of time on our taxes. How do we make it better? So, yeah, let us know in the comments. Um, and again, thanks for checking out the high end. Very appreciative that people would check out the show. A lot of options. We appreciate you checking us out. Um, and, yeah, continue to share it with your friends. Subscribe. Uh, check our social media pages. Check our sponsors. And especially tomorrow morning, check out Hope Interrupted, uh, the podcast coming out. We're looking forward to partnering with them. And check out the book. It answers a lot of the questions that we have right now about how to communicate better cross-culturally. So. Check out the book and thanks for listening to Ohio. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co authored with my good friend Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.